and welcome to another edition of From the Newsroom, the podcast coming from the Holland Sentinel. My name is Arpan Lobo. I cover politics for the Sentinel. And today I'm joined by our managing editor, Audra Gamble. Hi, Audra. Hey, how's it going? It's good. It's good. You know, we're back again. Uh, it's a once a month feature now where we do a podcast about the Democratic debates as they're going on. And last night we had the final one of 2019, final True. one of the decade. Yeah, this this podcast episode is fueled by a massive sugar high from our holiday cookie party in the office. Yeah, this should have been <laughs> planned better. Um Anyway, uh, as we're going, last night was uh, the sixth debate, and it was in uh, California at Loyola Marymount University. Yep, just a little south of L.A. Yep. Seven candidates, smallest field we've had so far, so that was refreshing. It was hosted by uh, PBS and, uh, NewsHour and Politico. Uh, and as we get to it, or as we get into it, I wanted to ask you what you thought uh, in general of just what kind of made this debate a bit uh, different from some of the previous debates. Yeah, I, and I really do think that was true. I think that this debate was much more substantive than some of the other debates. And and I think part of that is just the number of people on the stage. When you have seven candidates, there's a lot more breathing room to get into specifics, especially um, we saw some topics that hadn't been brought up in debates before. We had a really long conversation about climate change, uh, lots of different foreign policy touch points. So it definitely seemed to be getting more into the um, specificity, not just of, you know, what's going on and, and what Democrats may care about going into, you know, the caucuses and the um, those early primaries coming up, but also those real distinctions between um, candidates' policies on those very specific issues, which I don't necessarily know that we got a ton of before last night. And yes, because we are a little more than a month and a half away from the first uh, primary, the Iowa caucus in February, this is getting to the point where it's really crunch time for uh, these candidates, the ones on the fringe that need a strong showing in Iowa to kind of pull themselves toward the front, right? as well as the uh, proverbial front runners to kind of snuff out all the competition. Right. Well, and especially, you know, when when the Iowa caucus happens, it's the first time that that actual voters and not political pundits and, and, you know, all of those things really get to have their say. It can also be a huge fundraising boost for candidates that really need that money to get them into, um, you know, media markets and, and more people knocking on doors in states that are coming up to continue their campaigns. We really... Um, uh, noticed Kamala Harris's absence on the stage last night and she had to suspend her campaign just frankly because they ran out of money. And that can be a real fear for candidates as as the primary season continues on because that takes a ton of resources to stay in. Right, right. So let's get into the uh, debates. We had seven candidates, as, as I said before. We had Vice President Joe Biden, Senator Bernie Sanders, Senator Elizabeth Warren, uh, businessman Andrew Yang, uh, businessman Tom Steyer, uh, South Bend, Indiana, Mayor Pete Buttigieg and Minnesota Senator uh, Amy Klobuchar. That was our seven. It was the smallest field so far. So noticeably out, Julian Castro, um, Cory Booker, Tulsi Gabbard. Uh, Those are the ones that stick out also for me. Also Michael Bloomberg. Michael Bloomberg has had a very interesting him. start to his campaign <laughs> because in terms of 
ad spending, he's outpacing everybody, but he's not even campaigning in right. Iowa. So it's very, very weird. Yeah, um, it's kind of a question mark whether to him, I th- include I think him we'll, in that lineup. Yeah. I think we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. I, I'm not prepared for a Michael Bloomberg <laughs> discussion right now. Sounds like a plan. <laughs> but anyway, uh, as we get, you mentioned that it was the most substantive uh, debate, most policy focused debate. And one of the things that really brought um, some kind of uh, energy from all of the candidates was a discussion about climate change. Yes. There was a specific question about whether or not, uh, as president, these candidates would authorize federal dollars to relocate people from communities along the uh, east and west coast that are affected, really anywhere that are affected by climate change. Sure, Texas, we, Louisiana, right. We, and we've mm-hmm. even seen that, I mean, to to a lesser extent than what could happen in, in uh, some of these other places. But even in West Michigan, we've seen erosion on the shoreline that's affected people, Absolutely. causing people to uh, demolish homes and things like that. And that was something that brought out uh, unique responses, I think, from all the candidates. So I wanted to talk about uh, Mayor Buttigieg and Joe Biden's response to that, where they both said that they would uh, or at least Joe Biden said he would pay for uh, to move those families. And sure. um, it was something that as these guys are trying to kind of carve themselves out as a moderate candidates, right? Because uh, Senator Warren and Senator Sanders are much more progressive in their stances. And for them to say, yes, we would, we would u- allocate federal funds for that. That was something that kind of came off as a more progressive uh, idea. What did you think about that? Yeah, I thought that that was interesting um, to hear how how the candidates addressed what that meant for different regions of the country. Um, especially, they were you know having the debate in California, where it might not necessarily be so much about you know massive floods or or hurricane you know winds, but it is about fires, especially in Northern California. Um, Senator Klobuchar talked about you know her her typical "I'm from the Midwest." speech about how it's not just about, you know, um, natural disasters, but it's also about um, the horrendous effects of flooding on farmers, which is also something we've seen significantly in West Michigan this year. Um, one of the the kind of big distinctions that I don't necessarily know that we've gotten into before in these debates is where the candidates stand on nuclear energy as being part of their uh, sort of package of, of cleaner energy and, and um, fewer emissions contributing to climate change. Uh, uh, Andrew Yang kind of made this big push for um, how everything has to be on the table, including, you know, not just wind, not just winter, uh, not just wind, not just solar, but also nuclear energy and that there were some technological developments that that may, you know, make nuclear a safer choice moving forward. And Tom Steyer really kind of got in his face about it and said, nuclear shouldn't be on the table at all. It's not safe enough. We can't store any of the, um, you know, byproducts. I don't think that that's a responsible answer. And and those sorts of debates about the, the nuance of, uh, you know, a national addressing of climate change, uh, I think will be helpful for voters in those early states coming coming on. Yes, it was something where, as you mentioned, Senator Klobuchar mentioned specifically uh, the far- farming, and that's something that'll play in, th- in these debates. It can sometimes seem you can, can sometimes get drowned by all this information, but that was something that really I saw that weather pun, Arpan. <laughs> oh man, that was unintentional. <laughs> Yikes! Uh, anyway, you can kind of get uh, overwhelmed by all this uh, kind of 
different topics going on, especially sure. especially if you're a moderate Democrat voter that's going to be voting in these primaries, hearing something like that, oh, how does this affect me in Iowa? How does this affect me in West Michigan? That might be something that appeals to you. And so sure. I think I, I think and we spoke about this beforehand, but I thought Senator Klobuchar had her very best night oh, of her campaign down. so far. Yeah. And I've said on this podcast before that I didn't think she was going to win, that I thought she Uh-oh, would drop out. Uh-oh, our pan's going to have to eat some crow. And yeah, I am <laughs> definitely going to have to eat some crow. And that's, you know, uh, a kind of a side lesson about, you know, making all these bold declarations <laughs> a year before we even get to the election. So, Well, my, the good thing is we have, to, we have time to write that course. So. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And she, she had a very good night. Yeah, for sure. Uh, n- mentioning all those different things. And uh, she got into a beef with Mayor Buttigieg, as a lot of candidates have True. and did again last night. And that was specifically about experience in Washington. And this came up in the previous debate and it kind of came to a head again last night. Yeah, but I think that last night it was much more pointed. And, um, you know, they, they've talked about his youth before and especially, you know, when you put him up on a stage next to, you know, Biden and, and Sanders and he's just physically, you know, much younger than than those candidates. And it's really clear. Um, But but Klobuchar went after him based on, you know, the votes that he's been able to to garner in the past. And she really made sure to to kind of hammer home that while he's never had to run in a national election before, we don't really know how he would stack up against, you know, independence that that the Democrats really need to sway um, in order to to win back the White House and and that you know, South Bend is a, you know, comparatively small city um, in terms of vote getting and that the the campaigning is very different for, for national office than it is for a mayoral election. Right. And Senator Klobuchar also brought up that the one time he ran for a national seat uh, for uh, Congress, he lost by 20 points. And that was something that he couldn't really address. He just kind of went back to his... Uh, ideas of fresh uh, or his his ideas of you know uh fresh energy entering the white house well but he also um you know this is we talked last time about how um you know as he's gained momentum in the polls he starts getting more attacks from other candidates right now he is currently polling as the leader in iowa which i think is really scaring some of the other candidates that need a really strong showing in the state um and i i thought that that was sort of fascinating where he said um in response, I think this was in response to Klobuchar, where he said, well, let me tell you that running as a gay man in Mike Pence's Indiana was certainly not an easy task. Um, and that got a huge reaction from the crowd. Uh, and I don't necessarily know, you know, how well that answers whether he can draw in people on, on a national stage. But um, while he did receive quite a lot of flack from the other other candidates, I don't necessarily know that he had a poor debate showing. I just think that, um, you know, Senator Klobuchar's massive improvement from last debate to this debate was more noticeable than, than any sort of change in performance from, from Buttigieg. I I would agree with that. Um, but, and as we're talking about Mayor Pete, he also got into it. You mentioned that other candidates attacked him. He had a very, very heated exchange. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Senator Warren. That was wild. You know, uh, Recently, photos have uh, emerged of uh, Mayor Pete's fundraiser in California where he's in a wine cave where there's... Which I'm sure was trending on Twitter by the end of the night. It definitely was. There was Swarkovsky crystals hanging from the chandeliers. 
and they're drinking this like yeah it, wasn't it like nine hundred dollar bottles, of, bottles wine. of wine yeah. you know and he he's meeting with kind of, with the elites with the elites and that's something that as we get more progressive candidates in you know you have some of them expl- like Bernie Sanders is explicitly saying that you know we need to you know basically redistribute this wealth sure and uh, Mayor Buttigieg is taking their money to try and because uh, as far as other candidates concerned oh he or as far as uh, maybe the wealthier uh, voters see uh, Mayor Buttigieg as a centrist safe pick sure. where he's progressive enough on some policies, but he's more of a traditionalist in others. Well, and, you know, that that was a really heated exchange. And, and his response basically was, well, I'm not a millionaire. I'm the only one on this stage that doesn't have this, you know, huge personal wealth. And so I have to make, you know, make up that money somehow. And I'm not going to turn away money from someone just because they're rich, which okay, you know, that's, they have this, this sort of exchange, but then the, it sort of kind of erupted to all of the other candidates on the stage and Senator Klobuchar kind of like stopped everybody in their tracks. And she said, er, you know, everybody hang on a minute here. <laughs> I came here to, you know, I don't want to listen to this. I came here to, to make a pitch for, for, you know, progress forward. And, um, it just kind of felt like, um, that moment when when like a teacher or a mom pulls two two fighting kids away from each other to to restore some sort of you know calm and peace and and normalization and in, in you know the schoolyard or something um and she actually did that a couple of times throughout the night when these little scuffles broke out and i think that's partially why um you know she had such a good debate last night is that she took these moments of kind of chaos that may make for good television but didn't necessarily help in any sort of, you know, decision making of a voter. And she not only stopped it, but then inserted her inserted her herself and her ideas as, well, I'm kind of, you know, the rational, calm one in the room sort of idea. Right. It was very big mom energy. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, uh, Absolutely. I, I, got, I got those kind of vibes. Um, but as we're talking, I, I just want to go one thing again on on Mayor Buttigieg sure. and Senator Warren's exchange, um, he made the point that when because Elizabeth Warren is a senator from Massachusetts, he made the point. He goes, "You are admonishing me now for taking the money from wealthier donors, but when you were running for Senate, you did the same thing." I'd also like to mention that her job before being in Congress was she was a Harvard professor, which isn't exactly like. Blue collar, you know what I mean? No, no, and I, th- I well, I think that there's a difference between like you know, blue collar and the people that kind of go to these fundraisers. Well, you sure, know? yeah, I don't know that a Harvard professor would would be in the wine cave category, but you know, like <laughs> right, it's but, it's all kind of degrees uh, of you know what they're they're arguing about. I, I want to ask you, do you think that these kind of squabbles over oh who your donors are, and because it came up throughout the night, you know, uh, yeah. Bernie went after Biden. For and and Mayor Pete, he made a point which I thought was pretty, it 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 was pretty uh, poignant for me, where he goes, you know, everybody's arguing about donors. I want to say, you know, Joe, you have forty four billionaire donors, and Pete, I know how competitive you are. You only have thirty nine billionaire donors. Yeah, that did get a big laugh. It was something, and I I yeah, I encouraged him to catch up to Biden. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) it was pretty. You know, it was pretty funny, and it was pretty. It, you know, was it was a pretty. uh, apt uh, depiction of his campaign and how he's kind of ran it, where it's uh, mass kind of enthusiasm from 
maybe not the most influential groups. Sure. Um, but that was something that I wanted to ask you. Do you think that maybe spending so much time on these things, taking away from the discussions on actual policy, is beneficial for the Democratic Party at this point? Because no matter who is on stage uh, or who is running against each other, come next November, they're going to want right, to I mean, they get need behind money. that yeah. They need to get into the White House again if that's their goal. Yeah, that's a good question. I mean – I don't necessarily know that, you know, anybody that that has sat through, you know, six debates and, you know, are planning to. to, Hi, hi, fam. We're nerds. You do this, Um, you know, and and is such an engaged, um, you know, voter and and wants to stand, you know, hours on end in in Iowa for the caucuses or, you know, show up for for early primaries and that sort of thing. It's it's not like they don't know that there's money in politics. Like that's not a secret to anyone, especially at this, you know, stage in the game. Um, you know, political campaigns need cash and that's, you know, a fact of the matter at this point, you know, in our political process, it's not like that takes anyone by surprise. Um, you know, Biden made this whole point about my average campaign contribution is $43. And then, uh, you know, Buttigieg said, well, you know, if you want to give me the the um, cap of $2,800, it's not like I'm going to say no to that money. Like, okay, I mean, sure. But I, I don't necessarily know that that's going to, you know, whether the average, uh, you know, donation is $43 or $2,800. I don't know how much that matters to someone that's, you know, trying to get health care for their family or is trying to save their family farm. Exactly, exactly. And in the super PAC era that we are in right now, there's money that's not even, you can't even directly find it from the campaign. There's money being spent on ads and other campaign materials that aren't included in those uh, disbursements. And anyway, you brought up uh, Vice President Biden. I wanted to talk about um, his kind of, something that happened with him after the debate um where oh he, my gosh yes arpan this was so spicy okay he, go ahead well he uh joe biden has a stutter and this is something i learned last night because we were talking over our work chat and yes uh, we were you, you pointed Group out chatting to me, each other at 11 at night <laughs> yeah it's not gonna have better things to do side note i didn't watch this debate i listened to the audio oh, okay good to know because okay. on my television screen i had the lakers versus bucks game <laughs> i see where those priorities are that, that, well you know i got the best of both worlds you know <laughs> anyway we we're talking about the vice president uh our former vice president joe biden and he was talking about how he speaks with different people across the country sure. and at one point he said something along the lines of I meet everybody, and then he kind of went into a stutter where yes. he was like, I, 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 I meet people that sometimes have difficulty speaking or right. something along yeah, those lines. Yeah, so, so to kind of set this up, so, so Elizabeth Warren a few times throughout the night, perhaps maybe one time too many, talked about how she's done 100,000 selfies, which like, okay, cool. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, big ugh on that. But, um, you know, she was making this case that, you know, she connects with all of these voters and how fabulous this is. And she's heard all of their stories and she's fighting for them and, you know, all that kind of rhetoric that you hear. And Biden goes, well, I have met voters too. We all have. That's not like, you know, I have also taken thousands of selfies. Um, but you know, I connect with the voters because of, you know, my, my family's, you know, tragic history of, you know, the death of his, his wife and all of those things. Um, 
And then, you know, he said, and, and I connect with, you know, little boys that come up to me. And, and then he, um, you know, spoke as if he were that little boy coming up to him with a stutter. Uh, after the debate, um, Sarah Huckabee Sanders got on Twitter and made fun. Of, it appeared that she made fun of that moment where where Biden made fun of his stutter. Correct. Um there was a, a profile, was it in The Atlantic recently? Yes. Um, it was this very long, very well-written piece about um, Joe Biden's stutter and, um, you know, how that has affected his political political career. Um, and he hides it pretty well. Like I don't, like you said, I don't think that very many people knew of that. But sometimes his gaffes that people, um, you kind know. jump on. Right, exactly. Are actually him, like, physically processing through the stutter that he's trying to, um kind of hold down. Uh, so that moment that that tweet, I think, was kind of particularly painful um, for those that know that about Biden and and that he wasn't in any way mocking. You know, he was saying this is something that I've dealt with in my personal life and, and can connect to people through. Yes. And Sarah, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, the former White House press secretary, her tweet was uh it was she typed like the the word i she goes i i i i have no idea what joe biden is saying right and she got ratioed to absolute oblivion on twitter and then she she came out very quickly because everybody was like i can't believe you're saying this he has a stutter he's clearly trying to make a point what are you doing here you're supposed to be you know i thought you guys were your party's trying to take the moral high ground. Everybody's kind of roasting her. Yeah, and then she came rough. out and she quoted, she was like, oh, my apologies. I was not trying to... Um, to make fun of to people. To make fun of Biden. I was saying, I don't know what he's talking about policy-wise, which well, is like, okay, lady. <laughs> I don't, yeah, I don't necessarily okay, lady, know that that... But, but then she deleted that tweet too because people were like, come on. Yeah. Like, I know that we're, we're, on the, we're a few weeks away from 2020, and people preach about civility and civility and, oh, we need to be better than this. And I think Andrew Yang was talking about, oh, we need to be nice to each other. It's, it's not yeah, looking it was like that's a big the case. Ouch. Yeah, you know? it was a big ouch. Even yeah, at some sure. like at the higher forms of government, we have a former White House press secretary going after a former vice president. Yeah, it certainly didn't play well online, that's for no, sure. No, But um, uh, you probably can say... 11 months from now, that might not be remembered. Sure, yeah. Um, so I did want to mention, you know, we talked about this this having a lot more um, kind of meat in terms of substance. Uh, I thought that they talked a lot about some foreign policy issues that hadn't been talked about before. Um, they talked about, um, you know, what their thoughts were on getting troops out of Afghanistan. They talked about um, uh, DACA children and um, immigration policies in general. Uh, they also asked the candidates about whether they think that um, immigrants that have um, potentially been mistreated at the, the U.S.-Mexico border should um, receive monetary compensation from, from the United States government. Um, they talked about uh, the protesters in Hong Kong. I mean, there, there's kind of like this big range of stuff. Um, some other things that they mentioned that I don't think we have um, seen come up in debates before um, were uh, questions about violence against trans women of color specifically. Um, they also talked about, and, and this was specifically Mayor Buttigieg, talked about uh, being interested in repealing the AUMF, which is the Authorization for Use of Military Force, uh, which is a, a something that happened in Congress after 9-11 that basically said um, the president 
is going to have some more leeway um, in terms of the military use they can use without requesting it from Congress. Uh, Buttigieg says he wanted to repeal that, which uh, was not a super popular idea even just a few years ago. So they covered a ton of ground that I thought was fairly new territory for a debate stage. I definitely think so. I definitely think so. As we get into more of the post-debate reaction, uh, it was kind of all over the place. Yeah, it was. That's one thing I really noticed. I mean, there were some, there were a few things that were kind of universal that like, for example, like Mayor Pete and Liz Warren got into it and Amy Klobuchar had one of her better nights and things like that. But as we go and depending on the outlet you read, uh, it, this is just how punditry is, but you get a range of opinions. This morning, as I came into the office, I was just reading um, the New York Times, Washington Post, Politico. All three had wildly different opinions on Mayor Pete's night. For example, Washington Post were raving about him. They're like, he came out of this looking like the best and most polished candidate. And Politico was the exact opposite. Like, he came under attacks, and yeah, he spoke well, but he really said nothing of substance. So it kind of depends on where you're getting your source from. And you made a great point about how the Iowa caucus will finally show us the actual numbers. We don't have to go off anything but punditry. Um, and so I think that's another thing that we need to look to as well as we get closer. I'd also like to mention that, uh, and we've done this on this podcast too, we've talked about, you know, oh, who won the debate. Right, kind of the horse race part of this. Politics is not a game of winners and losers. Th- these are policy issues that affect everyone you know, in some way. And so it's, sometimes it feels kind of maybe disingenuine to act like it's a sporting contest, like it's the Lakers or Bucks game. But in reality, sometimes candidates have good nights and sometimes candidates have bad nights. And so I wanted to get uh, kind of your reaction toward that. Yeah, I. it is very um, convenient to pick winners and losers, especially if you're trying to do one of those pieces of you know, missed the debate last night. Here's what you can talk to your coworkers about kind of, you know, pieces. Um, it's really easy to, to rank candidates based on speaking time or who, you know, mispronounced a word or who got the most audience laughs or, or whatever, um, you know, benchmark you want to use, especially as you get closer to um, actual results from voters I think a lot of times what happens is those who are really passionate and particularly those that show up um, for primaries are those people that that feel really invested in um, a particular political party or or issue or whatever. Um, They start to get really set in their um, thing that they are passionate about, which campaign they, they feel most strongly about. And then they just sort of start to spin their wheels. And you can watch the debate. Um, you know, with a whole group of people. And if that one person, you know, is really pro Mayor Pete, no matter what Mayor Pete says in that debate, they will think that he was the star of the show. And that will be the same case for someone that, you know, is going to go knock on doors for Bernie Sanders or someone that, you know, feels really passionate about AI technology and and really wants Andrew Yang to stay in the game. Um, You know, they they will find whatever thing that they can latch on to to continue to, um, you know, sort of formulate the thoughts that they already have in their their head. I, I think that's a great point. Um, and as we get closer to Iowa, I think, especially with the next debate being in Iowa, correct? Correct. Yep. January 14th. Yes. So that's being put on by the Des Moines Register, uh, which I believe is a Gannett paper. That's a good question. I don't know. Shout out to our fellow journalistic friends in Des Moines. 
who might possibly also be our coworkers. <laughs> Sorry, we just had a merger. We're not sure where things stand. Anyway, um, a- as we wrap up here, I wanted to ask you, was there anything else that you maybe thought was really uh, kind of stood out for you? Oh, last I'm night? so glad you asked me that. <laughs> um, okay, so uh, the, the diversity on the stage um, – was something that they talked about that the the moderators brought up and they asked Andrew Yang, you know, you are the only candidate of color on this stage. And Andrew Yang, like we said, he said, man, I really miss Kamala. I really miss Cory Booker. Um, you know, it's a kind of an honor to be the only candidate of color on the stage, but I wish that, you know, weren't the case. Um, there were some some other kinds of diversity on the stage. Um, you know, we had a, a military veteran in, in Mayor Buttigieg. Um, Lots of different, you know, economic backgrounds and that sort of thing. Um, we had two women and five men. And there was this last question that the moderators asked that kind of made Arpan and I roll our eyes. I was trying to get past this. <laughs> <laughs> um, where where um, Judy Woodruff, I don't exactly remember the phrasing, but she said, you know, it's the holiday season. Um, is there anything you want to either ask forgiveness for or give a gift to another candidate on the, on the stage, kind of, you know, in the spirit of Christmas. Um, while that question was like so cringeworthy. So bad. Um, so bad. But I thought it was kind of fascinating that the two women on the stage, um, Senator Klobuchar and, and Senator Warren, both asked for forgiveness. They both said something along the lines of, you know, I get really passionate and I get kind of worked up because I care so much about my ideas. And I'm sorry if that comes across negatively or or if I hurt anyone's feelings. Uh, the men on the stage took a really different tactic um, and they all pushed each other's books to the other candidates, perhaps. Bernie Sanders wrote four books. Um, if they wanted to, you know, read their ideas and, you know, they were kind of like peddling, uh, you know, their, their stances. And the Washington Post had, had a really interesting piece about how, um, you know, that gender divide was so clear in that very uncomfortable question, um, that the women were like, you know, I'm very sorry if I've upset you and if, if, you know, my tone sounded too aggressive and bossy. And the men were like, yeah, buy my books. You can read more about how fabulous my ideas were. <laughs> um, which I mean is pretty typical for women to say like, Oh my gosh, you know, I'm so sorry if I just spoke out of turn or, you know, if that, if you took that the wrong way, like that's a really typical thing that, um, you know, women are so afraid of, um, sounding too assertive because, um, that doesn't play super well to um, particularly male voters. Like if they, um, you know, start sounding screechy or, or too bossy, um, they have to be very aware of how that plays. And that's something that the male candidates just don't have to think about. That's, that's right. That's, that's also a very good point. And, uh, Thank you for coming to my TED talk about <laughs> how that's problematic. <laughs> I think that's a that's a problematic is a good word for it. Well, uh, if 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 we are going to have to answer that question, I guess I would ask forgiveness for Amy Klobuchar for writing her off. I'm not going to give her a gift of saying I think she's actually still going to win. I'm still kind of <laughs> out on that. But I'm sorry for saying you should have dropped out. That was mean of me. Anybody you like to give a gift to or ask forgiveness of? Um. Well, we're going to get the gift of another debate on January 14th. Um, <laughs> our fan doesn't think that's a gift. <laughs> it's like one of those gifts where someone gets you like a one-month subscription to some service you don't really need. 
And then in order to activate the gift, you have to put your own credit card information. And then a month later, you forget about it. Then boom, you get charged. Oh, man. The gift of democracy is a sad (laughs) subscription that Arpan does not want. Sorry about that. That's... I'm just saying, you know, I'm just um, saying. Yeah, no, I, I, I look forward to, you know, seeing um, the candidates drill down more. The next debate will be in Iowa, so it will definitely kind of be be playing more toward direct voters. Um, but uh, I am glad that we don't have as many candidates on the stage as much as, you know, some candidates presence were were felt um but it's nice to have a little bit of breathing room around these candidates and and drill down a little more so that's what i'm excited for okay and i think on that note we will wrap up uh for managing editor Audrey gamble i am arpan lobo and this has been another edition of from the newsroom with the holland sentinel thanks as always as jo- thanks as always for joining us and i hope you have a very happy holidays <laughs>